Lord Jesus, we come to you and oh, we're so thankful that you did that work in our lives. And this whole business of marriage and living with this other person, it's really hard. And so, Father, we need you, we need your clarity, we need your word to speak through to us today and show us how we can creatively and lovingly enter into our marriages. In your name we pray, amen. Well, it happened. It happened last night. I got the call, three in the morning. So it happened this morning, actually. My Delaney, freshman at FSU, sick as a dog. The first really sick, away from mommy, phone call. What do I do? What do I take? Does that kind of, she's like the most worried child. <laughs> like I have said for years, I never worry because she does all the worrying on my behalf. So like she's like, but what are the contraindications of that? You know, like, I mean, it is, I'm like, I don't know, just take it. You know, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a great, great parent. So, um, so she called, she called last, or this morning, early, and you could tell she felt terrible. She was, you know, I'm sorry to wake you up, and, you know, and I said, oh, it's okay. And so we talked, and we kind of went through what, she had already taken and how long it would be till her next dose, just all the mommy things we do. And um, <clears throat> then um, I prayed with her. We hung up the phone and I was laying there because I thought, well, I'll just, I'll stay up for a little bit. She might call back or whatever. So I was laying there. Well, she texted a few minutes later and she just said, thank you for answering the phone. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, like, of course I'm going to answer the phone. Which, as an aside, makes me think about how much Jesus must love when we call him. But she said, thank you for answering the phone. And I could tell she was feeling lonely and yucky and embarrassed a little bit. And so I said, well, I had thought it was my Latin lover, but... Um, <laughs> oh, well. And so she wrote... So her response to that, because I was just trying to see where she was at. You know how you're trying to, like, figure out where someone else is at? You know, you throw that stuff out there and see what they'll... So I just lobbed that one out there, and she said, Oh, tell Enrique I I said hi. (laughs) So I felt good. I said, Will do. And um, so, yeah, she's she's doing all right. But if you think of her today, just pray for her. Um, her name is Delaney, my sweet Delaney. Um, and also, in your um, magazine, a lot of what I'm going to say today is in writing instead of having points to fill in. However, there's a lot of additional material that I'll be using as I speak today, and I'm not fancy, and I don't have slides, and I don't have my talk memorized, and I don't have any prizes to give away. <laughs> but I have a great personality. So... <laughs> where we're going to go with. So just write down little things that that God kind of points out to you, okay? Okay? Okay. Okay. So creativity in marriage is all about showing God's love to our spouse in unique and beautiful ways. You see, we need to look at our marriage as our first and most important ministry opportunity. We are called to minister with our spouse and to our spouse. In our culture, we have all of this backwards. 
starting with when we are little girls. We are inducted into the world of princes and princesses. And we grew up thinking that our prince, our future husbands, will somehow right all the wrongs we have gone through and fill in all of our emotional needs in a way that no one ever has before. Just a little pressure there for the guys. Here's the truth. Get ready. I'm going to lay it on you. We are going to get real up in here. Um, Here's the truth. God did not ordain marriage to fill our tanks. I'm going to say that one more time because it's good. God did not ordain marriage to fill our tanks. Nope. The primary purpose of marriage is to empower and equip one another to serve Christ. Doesn't that sound lofty and just easy to do? For those of us that live in the real world of sick kids, plumbing issues, and other glamorous things, how do we practice creativity in our homes? So the next three points I'm going to give you are going to sound real spiritual, all those things, and and I'm going to be a little bit hard on us. I'm not going to lie, I'm going to bring it. But I don't want you to hear that it's all on you. But I do want you to hear, like last month when I wrote, I said, you know what I'm saying, and then I said what I'm not saying. Do you remember that? Okay, well, what I'm not saying is that all of this happens in a vacuum, But what I am saying is that you are first and foremost a daughter of the king. That's the most important role that you have in your life. Your most important pursuit that you have in your life is to follow after Christ. And I'm going to tell you when that is primary, all these other things have a way of becoming less important. And it becomes less and less about me and my love language and how he's loving me the right or the wrong way. And believe me, I like love languages because mine is gifts, so I'm all for it. But just keep that in mind. Um, But it becomes less about all those things and how they do it and if they're doing it right or wrong. And it becomes more and more and more about God and his kingdom. So. Here are some creative ways to love your man. The first one is to serve him. (laughs) I know, I had to put it in here. Um, No strings attached, no expectations, serve him. That means doing stuff just because you love him and for no other reason. We all want recognition as part of our sinful nature. Even the disciples wanted to be noticed. I mean, seriously, James and John's mommy asked Jesus to guarantee her sons would sit on Jesus' left and right in his kingdom. Notice them, Jesus. They're extra special. I think they may even be gifted. A big part of our struggle is the desire for recognition coupled with the desire to be admired, right? We struggle with it in different ways. There have been times when I've told my husband something I've accomplished, something I've done, you know, put the linen closet in order by colors. or. And if his response isn't enthusiastic or grateful enough, in my mind, I have literally said these words. I'm not making this up. You can ask him. No, you're doing it all wrong. Okay, I'm going to tell you again. And this time you're going to be more excited and more grateful. (laughs) I really literally have done that. Mm. I don't know what is wrong with me, but anyway, this drive 
This desire for that recognition can be devastating to a marriage because we are searching for our significance in all the wrong places. So, (laughs) Philip Keller writes in this book, I don't know if any of you have ever read this little book. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. What a wonderful book. He actually was a shepherd for many years, and so he takes Psalm 23 and writes about it through the eyes of shepherding. It's beautiful. But he writes in here, in any family, human organization or group, be it large or small, the struggle for self-assertion and self-recognition goes on. Most of us fight to be top sheep. And in the process, people are hurt. And it is here jealousy arises. This is where petty peeves grow into horrible hate. It is where ill will and contempt come into being, the place where heated rivalry and deep discontent is. It is here that content gradually grows into a covenant life. I feel like I'm going in and out. Should I just turn this one off? Uh, where one has to be forever standing up for himself or his rights, standing up just to get ahead of the crowd. That's our culture, really when you think about how everybody struggles, everybody's scrapping for their position all the time. How many times have we said something like, well, I'll never do that again. They didn't even say thank you. Well, I've said that a lot of times. I remember when Matt and I were uh, getting married, my mom had bought this beautiful cross-stitch thing Um, this big, it was like a heart with your names and the wedding date, and it was gorgeous. And as she started it, she started realizing it was a little bit more advanced than what she felt like she could do well. So she had a cousin, and she contacted her out of state, and she said, hey, I have this thing for Dee Dee's wedding. Would you help me finish it? Um, And so she sent it off, and it was a huge amount of work. And my second cousin did a beautiful job. So we got married in April, and about a week after our wedding, I didn't know anything about it, but about a week after our wedding, my mom got a very angry phone call from her cousin saying, I have not received a thank you note yet. And my mom said, well, I should have told you, but um, we're going to give that to them for Christmas instead of for their wedding. So she hasn't received it yet, but I'm sure that once she gets it, she'll write you a note. I didn't know any of that. So a few days after Christmas, literally like before the first of the year, I got a letter in the mail from her, chewing me up one side and down the other for not being grateful for what she had done. Was the work she did beautiful? Absolutely. Did she ruin the gift? Absolutely. It became not a gift. It became an expectation. And we do that a lot in our marriages. So we need to really be aware of that. So back to James and John's mom. After she tries to stake her claim to make sure her boys get prime position, just a few verses later, Jesus does what he does best. He turns the world upside down. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to become first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Matthew, that's in Matthew twenty twenty six through 28. We may sometimes serve our spouse, which is the right thing to do, with the wrong motives. For a marriage to be rooted in the gospel, 
our service to our spouse, must be with the intent of serving for God's glory. And trust me when I tell you, it is so freeing to serve out of love rather than expectation. And as an aside, we need to model this behavior for our kids too. They need to learn how to joyfully serve and not always with tons of recognition. We have a culture that is all about celebrating everything a child does. And it makes me super tired. And I think we over-recognize everything they do. So when they do anything, they're like, well, where's my trophy? They are saying that literally in the workplace now, they have the first generation of people working that expect to be promoted just for showing up. That's not those, those people's fault, is it? These are the people that joined the soccer team and got us trophy for just joining the soccer team. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox now. I'm back on. Okay. So much of what we congratulate kids for is really just what we should expect of them. Much of what we pat ourselves on the back for is really just stuff we should be doing out of love and service to our king. Okay, if you have a pen and you want to jot this down, I have a couple scripture references um, in addition to these, and they are so good, and I think they'll help you really understand and broaden your understanding of what we're talking about here. So for more verses on serving, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. John 13, verses 12 through 14. And Mark 10, 44 and 45. And then for more verses about glorifying God rather than ourselves, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And Psalm 115, 1. Okay, so point one was serve him. Point two is pray for him. Did you guys get all those verses? You good? You got it? Okay. So point two is pray for him. Serving him becomes way easier when you are regularly praying for your husband, not just praying that God will change him, fix him, show him the error of his ways. You know the prayers. Oh, Lord, if only my husband could see just how amazing and patient I am. Please help him to notice my amazingness and help him to be more amazing, too. And while I'm praying, could you do something about his receding hairline and the way he breathes? And now I'll go back to being awesome. Thanks. Amen. We all do it, right? We all do it. We hear a really convicting sermon, and we're like, please convict all these people around me of their sins, Lord. Holy Spirit, just rain on them, rain on them. And Lord, if you have, if I, I have a list of who they are and their specific sins, if you need any help pointing them out. However, we need to let the Lord do his work in our mate's life. It's so, and I made, this is, this is from when my children were little, and it is grammatically correct. It is so much more betterer when you know that the Holy Spirit is working rather than when you're pushing your own agenda. It is so much more betterer. You know how they say animals smell fear? Well, our husbands sense disapproval 
which rears its ugly head in the form of disrespect from us. And it is amazing how prayer changes our hearts and realigns our motives. C.S. Lewis writes, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. So pray for your husband. And then number three, look for ways to bless him. In the midst of the day-to-day life, it's so easy for our marriages to get pushed to the back burner. Let's face it, there is nothing sexy about bills and laundry and cat puke. Cat puke is large in our home, so that's why that got put in there. Anyway, that's why our thinking has to transcend all of that, and we have to think with eternity in mind. And it's really hard to do that because we're dealing with so much just stuff that has to be done. When I bless my husband, I'm blessing those that he comes in contact with. When I bless my husband, I'm blessing our children. When I bless my husband, I'm letting him know that I love and protect him. I remember when I was dating Matt, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, I just could not imagine ever getting tired of blessing him. You remember that phase? Just like, oh, I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I'm just going to, I'm going to write him another note telling him how awesome he is. Remember those days? Do you remember? You're like, when we used to actually write notes? Yeah. Okay, so, um, but then you get married and you have jobs and kids and the novelty starts wearing thin or just wears off completely. And then don't forget that we've also got that other part of our brain that likes to keep score and keep track of how many things I've done versus how many things he's done. Because I was not born yesterday, okay? And I am certainly not going to let myself be taken advantage of or taken for granted. You will notice everything I do. You're welcome. (laughs) And as I was thinking about that, I thought, And I think this is so true, how glorious it is, sweet sisters and sweet friends, how glorious it is to be taken advantage of for the sake of the gospel. You know what I mean? To let yourself be poured out like Jesus was. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him and endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Galatians 6, 8 through 10. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Sweet sisters, it says here, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I cannot think of a place or a group of people that we have more opportunity to do good to than our own husbands and children. He gives us multiple ways to show them his great love for them. 
Now, the last little illustration I'm going to give, please hear me when I say, um, you guys, a lot of you have heard our story, and you know that we've been through a lot in our marriage. Um, and as I share this, I almost I almost took it out because I thought, I don't want it to sound like I have it all together, because um, we could call Matt and, and uh, have him on speakerphone, and he could assure you that I don't. Um, that's why I deleted him out of my phone. Um, <laughs> But um, anyway, I'm not sharing this because I think, oh, I'm so awesome. But it's just a little tiny way of being creative. That's why I put it in. From the time that I started dating Matt until now, he has served on an insane amount of mission trips, like literally 25 or 30 trips. And when we started having a family, I couldn't go with him like I used to go, and I missed him terribly. I missed being part of those things terribly. It really bummed me out. Um, so over the past 18 years, I have sent notes and treats with someone that he travels with to leave on his pillow every night while we're apart. It's a lot of notes, people. It's a lot of little bags of peanut M&Ms. Those are his favorite. Um, the notes are short, but they're just reminders that I love him and that I'm praying for him. They bless him, and that's the point. We have an opportunity, like it talks about in Galatians 6, where we can do good to those that God puts in our path. And I, I'm just telling you, outside of the walls of our home, it is a hard and angry place. And when our husbands come in, we all need a soft place to land. But one of the most beautiful things you can offer is your husband sanctuary. When Dave Ingram was sick, a lot of you know Dave, and we loved him. He passed away um, from cancer, but he was a beloved pastor here for a long time. And he talked um, at one of the last staff meetings he was at um, about his marriage. And Barb Ingram actually has written a um, devotional in here, and she's just an amazing woman. But one of the things he talked about was the fact that she had become his high priest And I loved that. I thought, oh, Lord, just give us that heart for our husbands, that we look at them and minister to them in that way. And so my prayer for you is that God will show you creative ways. And finally, I just want to say creative doesn't equal difficult. Creative is just a beautiful, simple way that you can reach out and minister into the life of your husband. Let's pray. We would look around, Father, at all of us, your creation, our children, and how different they all are, and we know that we serve a creative God. Father, we pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would become our source of energy, that we would stop trying so hard to be what we think we're supposed to be and that we would run after you, that you alone would be our source of hope and strength and creativity. We pray for our marriages, Father. We ask that you would protect them. We thank you for the men that you've put in our lives, Father, and we pray that we would allow you to do 
the thing you do so well, which is transform them. And while we're asking for that, Father, please transform us. We love you. We adore you. And we worship you with everything we have. And we just take our marriages and those relationships and we hand them to you, knowing that you know better than we do what to do. In your name we pray. Amen.